Thank you for being reminded, Lord, of what a Lord we have, what a Savior we have, what a King we have. We do give you thanks. And now, Lord, as we meditate together on your word, we pray, Lord, would you somehow speak to our hearts? Indeed, Lord, would you break the bread of life to each one of us? Lord, we confess that unless you speak, Lord, what do we have? Would you, Lord, speak those living words that build us up, that strengthen us to follow after you, that bring us the vision of what you're after? We confess that only you have such words. And we pray, Lord, would you speak those words to us even now? We put this time, Lord, at your feet. And we trust that your Holy Spirit to be in charge of the whole time. Glorifying Christ. Leading us into Him. And we pray those things for your glory. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'd like to read a couple of passages with you this morning. Starting from the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 16. Let's read starting from verse 15. Matthew 16, verse 15. He, that is our Lord Jesus, said to them, the disciples, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. 不是属血肉的，只是你的，乃是我在天上的父，只是你的。我还告诉你，你是彼得，我要把教会，我要把，我要把我的教会建造在这磐石上，阴间的权柄不能胜过它。我要把天国的钥匙赐给你，凡在你
Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth about anything that they may ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. In the Gospel of Mark, we want to read chapter 11, verse 17. Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verse 17. And he, again, this is our Lord Jesus, began to teach and say to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a robber's den. In the epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 1, The letter of Paul to the Ephesians, chapter 1, we want to read verse 17. And this verse is spoken in the context of a prayer. And this is the prayer. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. And finally, two passages from the Old Testament. Psalm 139. Let's read the two last verses from this song. Verses 23 and 24. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me, and know my anxious thoughts. And see if there be any hurtful way in me, and lead me in the everlasting way. And finally, from the prophet Isaiah, you want to read chapter 62, verses 6 and 7. Isaiah 62, verses 6 and 7. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have appointed watchmen. All day and all night, they will never keep silent. You who remind the Lord, take no rest for yourselves, and give Him no rest until He establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Jerusalem, 
So again, the theme that we have been considering is this small phrase from the Gospel of Luke. 那我们一直在呃这个分享的主题是这句话是在路加福音。A people prepared for the Lord. 那就是为主预备好的一个百姓。As I was meditating upon it, it came to my heart that the closer we get to the coming of our Lord Jesus, the more relevant is this theme. 那当我在想说我们越接近主的再来的时候。Actually, that sentence was spoken in connection with John the Baptist, if you remember. That 刚才那那那一节是与使徒约翰有关系的。When John the Baptist was about to be born, the angel appeared to his father Zechariah. 那当这个使徒约翰要生的时候，这个天使就向这个撒迦利亚他父亲撒迦利亚显现。I mean that's even even before conception, but he was was in the time that he was going to be born. 那是在他受孕之前，但是在这个在是他他在他那之前。And these words are spoken in connection with John the Baptist. 那这个是在呃讲的这些话是与使徒约翰有关系的。He would be that instrument that the Lord was about to use. To have a people prepare for the Lord. 那他是这个器皿呢？是神会使用它，就是预备这些呃为主的这些百姓。So in other words, before the first coming of our Lord Jesus, there was this need of preparation of His earthly people for the coming of Messiah. 那就是我们的主第一次的回来之前，第一次的来之前，那有这个预备的工作要迎接弥赛亚。And now. Before the second coming of the Lord Jesus, the exact same need is there. 那在我们主的第二次的再来的时候，那同样有是这样的需求需要。Again, His people, even His heavenly people, have to be prepared for the Lord. 那他的这个百姓，属天的百姓，要具备好。There is a sense in which preparation is something very individual. 那有一种感觉就是说，这预备是一个个体的一种方法。If we are the Lord's, each one of us has to undergo through this process of preparation for the Lord. 如果我们属于主的话，我们经过这个过程来准备，要迎接主。We have to be purified, sanctified, conform to the image of Christ. Each one of us individually has to go through a preparation process. 我们要接近。要成圣，要磨成神的儿子的形象。我们的个体都要预备好，要迎接主的再来。And then there is another aspect or another sense in which preparation is something corporate. 那还有另一方面就是，你这个准备是团体的。It's not just that the Lord is seeking for individuals prepare for the Lord. 那不是说我们的主在寻找一些个体要要预备等候主。He's seeking for a people. Prepare for the Lord. That he's looking for this people, is a community, and that's that's to say that collectively, corporately, we have to be prepared for our Lord Jesus for His coming. That's collectively, we have to be prepared for our Lord Jesus for His coming. That's collectively, we have to be prepared for our Lord Jesus for His coming. That's collectively, we have to be prepared for our Lord Jesus for His coming. That's collectively, we have to be It's a very prominent, very central picture in the Bible. 那在呃，在圣经里面是一个很中心的一幅图画。It's to be found literally from Genesis to Revelation in the whole Bible. 那是从这个创世纪到启示录你都看得到。And that's the picture of the house of God. 那这幅图画就是神的殿。In the Old Testament, we see the picture 
In the New Testament, we see the spiritual reality behind the picture. And I feel that this picture somehow contains in itself those elements of preparation both on the individual side and on the corporate side. So I would like to briefly share with you uh, from the angle of the house of God on this matter of preparation. And as you know, the first passage that we read together is Matthew 16. I think most of us know that that's one of the most important chapters in the whole Bible. It's a turning point in the ministry of our Lord Jesus. It's amazing how in that passage we see that our Lord in a very condensed sentence He sums up His mission, His purpose, why He came, what He's after. What is that sentence? I will build my church. All of a sudden, he reveals to his disciples, that's his mission, that's what he came for, that is what, what he is after. Now, amazingly, when we consider the whole story, all the dialogue with Peter and all, everything that is going on, it seems to me that everything is related with the spiritual house that he's after. And I, hope, I believe we are, most of us are pretty familiar with this passage. But have you ever considered how every single movement or the way the dialogue progresses, everything somehow relates to the house? So our Lord asked the disciples, who do you say I am? And we know that Peter answered with that confession, actually. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Now, our Lord, in based on that declaration from Peter, now our Lord Jesus is going to explain the whole thing. And in that explanation, to me it's so clear that he's in every single thing, he's pointing to that house. So you remember how our Lord said, Blessed are you, Simon Barjon. Why is he blessed? Why is he supposed to be considered a happy man? Well, because he understood who the Lord Jesus was, and it was not his brain that got him to the right understanding. It's as if the Lord is saying, Peter, you're right about what you just said. I am the Christ. I am the Son of the living God. Now, 
But that was not sure because you're smart. It's not because you're kind of very analytical and you say, hmm, yes. No, no, no. Nothing to do with Peter's own capacity to grasp or understand things. It's my father who revealed this to you. And based on that revelation that Peter had about who the Lord Jesus really is. So to, you know, to save time, we didn't read the whole thing. But most people were saying, well, Jesus is a great prophet. And in a sense, that's not wrong. But it's just so much in the surface. Some people say that you're Elijah, some people say you're Jeremiah. But by that revelation from above, Peter got to the core of who he really is. The anointed one, the Christ. The Son of the Living God. God, the Son. Based, based on that revelation that he had of the Lord Jesus, the Lord says this. And I tell you, it's almost as if the Lord said, yes, my Father revealed to you who I am, but now I'm going to add to that revelation something else. I tell you that you are Peter. Now that's an interesting word. What, what the word Peter means? Very simple. It means a stone. A small stone. And then our Lord Jesus continues and said, and I tell you that Upon this rock, a different word, I will build my church. So I hope you appreciate here that everything that is going on somehow points to a house that the Lord Jesus is going to build. See, today if you're going to build a house, but I don't even know in the U.S., but back in Brazil, everything is brick. You go there, you get your, you go to a factory, you buy your small bricks, and you start piling them, and you know, have the walls. Everything is brick. I guess here there are bricks and also wood. Forgot my translator. I'm sorry. He'll pick up. <laughs> but back then, in those days, there was no brick to build a house. You would use stones for the building of a house. And what, what essentially our Lord is telling Peter, Peter, because of that revelation that you received and you accepted, you became a stone, a living stone. And I am going to use this stone in Upon the rock, the foundation, and that's his own person, I will build my church. In the original language, the name Peter is 
Petros. Which essentially means a small rock. A small stone. But when the Lord says, But upon this rock I will build my church, He's not saying, Upon Petros I will build my church. No, no, no. It's a different word. He says, Upon this Petra I will build my church. In other words, our Lord Jesus Himself is the Petra, that solid, massive rock which is the foundation of that house. He as the Christ, as the Son of the Living God, is that foundation of the church. But when someone receives that revelation about him, sees who he really is and accepts that revelation, that person becomes a living stone. Not the Petra, but just one stone that will be built upon that foundation. Now, for time's sake, I already have so many passages here. For time's sake, we are not going to read First Peter chapter 2. But I'll leave it like an exercise for the reader. And if you read there, you're going to see that Peter understood very well that what he's experiencing there is as a representative for every believer in the Lord Jesus. What is happening in Caesarea Philippi, in Matthew chapter 16, is not Peter's personal exclusive experience. No. What is happening there is the experience that every believer has when he or she sees that the Lord Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Right there, a living stone is produced. Upon the revelation on whom he is, a living stone is born. And those living stones is what our Lord Jesus will use to build that spiritual house that he is after. Now, I hope you see that in this matter of a house, of a spiritual house, preparation is all over the place in that picture that is before us. Let me put it this way. Okay, now you've got your living stone that you're going to use in building a house. What's the next step? You know, back then, it's not that you had some sort of Home Depot full of living stones, and you got there, and you, you, know, you buy them by, by the stack. Say, okay, I need living stones, you know, exactly one foot long, you know, half foot. No, 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 there was no such a thing. Home Depot, 
Living stones were quarried. Is that the word? Quarried out of the quarry, right? Extracted out of the quarry. And once you get your living stone, guess what? The size was probably not exactly what you needed. So what do you need to do? Now you have your beautiful living stone that you want to use in the building, but it's not exactly the size that you need. So the stonemason is going to get that beautiful living stone and is going to chip, 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 cut, 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 chip it away until it's exactly what you need. To build your house. Do you, do you see preparation here? And brothers and sisters, isn't that our experience? When we come to the Lord Jesus, thank the Lord, by His wonderful grace, we become living stones. And those living stones have the exact same nature of the main stone of the foundation. They are quarried from the same quarry. And despite the fact that the essential nature is the same, we have to realize that we are not exactly fit for what the Lord really wants. So our Lord Jesus has to do work even after we are saved. A preparation process begins in our lives. And He's going to chisel us, to chip away to the exact size that we may fit in that house. In a sense, that's a very individual aspect of preparation. You realize that? Each stone, very individually, has to be chipped away, cut, and, you know, polished into the exact dimension that the builder of the house needs. There is no getting away from it. It's very individual. We cannot hide in the multitude, you know, and just because we are coming to the meetings, we are going to think, yes, the, the, the work is being done, I'm being prepared. No. But then when you think on the building of the house, there is another aspect where there is something very corporate going on. See, the stone has to be rightly related in relation to the foundation and in relation to the fellow stones at his side or her side. You realize that? When the builder chips that stone to the, that exact dimension, he has a very specific spot in the building, in that house, where that stone belongs. And that stone has to be, again, in the right position in relation to the foundation 
and in relation of the fellow stones at his side. 那你这个时候能说摆的位置是与根基，还有这个其他在周旁的这些石头所摆的地理，你都是非常讲究的。When I think on this, the way it comes to me is that the whole building process, what is that, but just a big, lengthy preparation process.那这个建造这个过程是非常一个耗时间的一个过程。of course, that preparation, you know, in a, when you're building, you put the stone there and you forget it. Say, okay, job done. The stone is in the right place. You move on to do other things. But when we consider the spiritual reality behind this picture, it works a bit different, doesn't it? We are being, being placed at the side of our brothers and sisters. And this is a lengthy process. A lot of preparation will happen in that as we are being placed against one another. And in summary, this is the work that our Lord Jesus is doing. This is what He is after, even in this age. Now, very briefly, let's ask this question. What is the meaning of this house? He just stated, I will build my church. He didn't go into the, me, into the meaning of it right there. What is the house for? Well, there is something very wonderful that I feel here. Because what the Lord is after is nothing less than an habitation for God Himself. The reason why He's building His church, the reason why He's after the spiritual house, is that God may have His dwelling among us. Now, I, I don't know how this comes across to you. To me, it comes just as, as the picture of the most amazing grace possible. Have you ever thought, what are we by nature? Not living stones. Actually, if you want to know what we are by nature, you need to remember Genesis chapter 3. Remember after Adam sinned, the Lord said, You are dust, and to dust you will return. That's why we are by birth and by nature. Now, what do you do with dust? And I have plenty of dust at my home. I, I always try to get rid of it. It gives, it gives you allergies, that's it. <laughs> Brothers and sisters, that's what we are by nature. Dust. And to dust you will return. Not a lot of hope, not a, not a lot of usefulness. When we see that He is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, from dust to a living stone, 
Not just a living stone, but a living stone to become habitation of God. What amazing grace, brothers and sisters. What a purpose we were included in. Now we have to remember something. When you think in a house, a house is for the satisfaction, is to express the likes, the dislikes of the owner of the house, period. See, it has been observed, and I think very, uh, uh, was a very wonderful observation, that if you see someone's house, something of the personality of the owner comes across. See, if the owner of a house is someone very meticulous, very neat, the house will show it. Everything is in the right place. You know, the, the, the personality is right there. For those of us that are not so neat, okay, let's put it that way, not so meticulous, well, you go there and you see that things are more casual, you know, and, so, and you see something of the personality of the owner in the house. Because a house will express the character of whoever owns it. And when God is building his house, make no mistake about it, his character will be expressed through that house. Now, do you see right there the need for preparation? If we were saved with such a purpose to be the habitation and an expression of the living God, what need for preparation is there? Now, there are many, many characteristics in that house that you'll find if you study the Bible. And yet, I have to limit myself. There is one that has been in my heart for some time. And I'll limit myself to just one of the characteristics of this house. And that is from this phrase in the prophet Isaiah that our Lord Jesus quotes as we read in the Gospel of Mark. Then the Lord says, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations. Somehow, in God's design, in God's plan for this house that He's building, this house has to be inclusive of all the nations. Not one, not two, not three, 
All the nations have to be represented, included in that house. And if we translate that into language of the New Testament, we find in Colossians that wonderful declaration of Paul by the Holy Spirit. In Christ, there is no Jew or no Greek. See, there is no an exclusive nationality when we come to Christ. In Christ, He is all in There is no such thing as the house of the Lord for Brazilians or for Chinese or Americans. No such thing in the Bible. He's after one house, and that house is for all nations. In Christ, no Jew, no Greek. He and He alone is all and in all. Now, somehow I feel that. Here is where things can become a little tricky. I'm absolutely sure that most of us will very, very uh, promptly agree with this and embrace as a principle that that's the case. You may even say that this is like an article of our faith. And as we all know, the real test, the acid test, is not necessarily what is our article of faith, but is this the reality in our midst? I guess what I'm trying to say is that it's not good enough to have the right understanding that the Lord is after a house that is for all nations. It's not good enough to understand and even to declare that in Christ there is no Jew and no Greek. The real question, and may we ask it before the Lord, is Lord, is this a reality in our midst? Lord, are you getting what you're after, even in our midst. See, I feel that there is always a risk that we approach these things in a very technical way. So we may say, well, technically, of course we are. But every, the main language here is, is English, right? Every time there is someone in the podium, most of the times they're speaking in English with translation. As it ought to be, by the way, of course. Now, the risk that I feel in my heart is that because of that technical aspect, we may somehow be tempted to think that, well, then we are fine. We, we, are, we qualify as this house for prayer for all nations. But the question I feel, brothers and sisters, and I'll submit it to you very humbly, is, is that enough 
We may even think that, well, if we just reach out to other ethnic groups, you know, in a very technical way, that will qualify it. Or if we have participation from all the members. Automatically, we may think we qualify. We are meeting what the Lord is after. I feel, brothers and sisters, that there is a human tendency that is as much mine as of anyone else to always gravitate to our comfort zone. Very naturally, I must almost say, I, I suspect unconsciously, we'll bring our background, our culture, our comfort zone in a very unconscious way to the house of God. And of course, because of that tendency, in my heart, in every one of our hearts, if I make no mistake, I really think, I really feel that we need to be before the Lord and ask Him, the owner of the house, the builder of the house, Lord, are you getting what you're after, what is in your heart? We read Psalm 139. Where David, he makes a wonderful prayer. In a sense, that prayer surprises me, if I can use that word. Sometimes I have the impression that if, you, if I think in the Old Testament, I wonder, did anyone knew the heart of the Lord? As deeply, as clearly as David. I'm not sure, brothers and sisters. Sometimes I feel that there is no one that surpassed David in knowing what the Lord is after and going after it himself. And yet, to my surprise, in this psalm, you find this great servant of the Lord praying a prayer. He's essentially saying, Search me, O God, and know my heart. How comes someone that knows the heart of the Lord so well, he offers such a prayer? And says, Lord, search me. The truth of the matter, brothers and sisters, is that we all have blind spots. It doesn't matter if it's individually or corporately. We all have things that we don't see. And it takes a lot of humility for someone to come before the Lord and say, 
Lord, search me. Know my heart. To me, it is as if David is saying, Lord, I do have blind spots. I don't see well enough. 好像说大卫说，我许多的这些盲点，我看得不是很清楚。Unless you show me those blind spots, I will not be able to see. Search me, O God, know my heart. 如果你不指示我的话，我没有办法看到这些点。Now, if you don't think that you have blind spots, you never bother praying such a prayer. 如果你认为你没有盲点的话，你不可能做如此的祷告。And this is true individually, and this is true corporately. If you feel that no, my vision is perfect, either individually or corporately, there is no reason whatsoever to pray such a prayer. And yet, I feel that if the Lord is going to obtain what He is after in our midst, individually and corporately, there is no way of getting around such a prayer. So what to do, brothers and sisters? If the Lord shows you, well, yeah, there are some areas that maybe are getting in the way for me to obtain this house of prayer for all nations. What do you do? I feel that when you come to this matter, you're talking about the most impossible things in human experience, to my mind. When we're talking about our background, our culture, our language, what we are by nature, is the most delicate, most humanly speaking, Intractable problem that I can imagine of. See, right now in Ukraine, see what is going on there? They are almost identical. The Ukrainians and Russians, they just speak different languages. That's it, civil war. In what we are by nature, there is no way for us to let go of that background. And we'll cling to it and we very, very subtly, we bring it to the house of the Lord. But let me say something to you. I'll try to do my best to be clear here. I honestly, the more I meditate about this, I don't think that that is the real, real problem. If the Lord is going to have a house of prayer as He wants, that is inclusive of all nations, I don't think that because in what we are in ourselves, we cling to our background so unconsciously, I don't think that's the main problem. As I'm meditating about this, it seems so wonderful to me 
in this matter of building his house, the Lord mentions something that is a real secret, a real key. Of course, I hope you understand what I'm saying. The real, real key is this, that he said, I will build my church. That is the real key. It's impossible for you, it's impossible for me. And yet he said, I will build my church. Now, after he said that, did you realize what he says in verse 16, in verse 19? I think we need to go back to Matthew. Matthew 16, verse 19. Let's read from verse 18 to give you the context. I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Now verse 19. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you lose on earth shall have been lost in heaven. Do you see that after our Lord makes that declaration, I will build my church. Somehow he immediately it's as if he's including Peter back to the whole process. He said, and I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind shall have been bound. Whatever you lose shall have been loosed. What do you use the key for? Usually to open something. That otherwise will remain closed. Do you realize that? Sometimes you need to go through through a door. That is, there is no way for you to go through that unless you have the key. And with that key, you can open. With that key, you have authority, and things will happen with that key. Now, do we realize in which context our Lord mentions the keys? He says that hell itself, the gates of Hades, are blocking, are opposed to the building of that church. Something that, humanly speaking, no one can deal with that. In that context, our Lord Jesus says, I will give you the keys. And with that keys, you will bind and you will lose. It's true, brothers and sisters. When it comes to background, when it comes to our culture, it's like an impossible thing. We cling to it. That's it. And I do it as much as you. Please I hope no one takes this as a criticism. It's not. 
。那无论是我们的文化背景，我们的习惯，那就我来说，我也是有这样的问题。我们很自然的就会陷入这个问题里面。Praise the Lord, our risen Lord saw that problem, and the risen Lord has made provision for that problem. And that that provision is for us. 他看到这个问题，那他就有解决这个问题的方法，他就为我们预备。Now, do you realize that this key is something corporate? It's not just something individual. 你是否明白？是否看到这把钥匙不是一个个体的、个人的一把钥匙呢？是属于团体的。I think that to understand those keys, you need to go two chapters ahead, which we just read. So we need to go again to chapter 18 of Matthew. 那我们如果要明白这把钥匙的话，我们需要。Uh, 要看下面的那几章才能够明白。What is the Lord saying when He says to Peter, "I'll give you the keys"? 那他对彼得说，我把天国的钥匙赐给你的时候，他究竟是什么意思呢 ？We should not forget, brothers and sisters, that Peter's experience in chapter 16 once again is representative of the experience of all believers, all that have that same revelation that He is the Christ, the Son of the Living God. 那我要提醒弟兄们，就是十六章彼得的这个经历，是我们所有信徒都有的这个经验，我们都能看到他是神，他是永生神的儿子。So let's go to chapter eighteen again. 我们再回到这十八章。And I feel the Lord makes it very, very clear what He means by those keys and how to use them. 那这两个钥匙是他很清楚的明白并且解释是要怎么使用这些钥匙。Matthew chapter eighteen and verse eighteen. Truly I say to you. Whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you lose on earth shall have been losed in heaven. 我实在告诉你们，凡你们在地上所捆绑的，在天上也要捆绑；凡你们在地上所释放的，在天上也要释放。You see again the binding and losing, just like he said to Peter in chapter 16. 你是否看到在捆绑和释放，就是在十六章已经对彼得说的 ？Now listen to the explanation. 你就听这个解释。Again, I say to you that if two of you, not one, if two of you. Agree on earth about anything that they may ask; it shall be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. 我要告诉你们，中间唯有两个在地上，不是说一个，两个在地上同心合意的求什么，在天上的父必为他们成全。Do you see the keys, brothers and sisters? 你是否看到这些钥匙呢 ？Those keys are is something that is not supposed to be wielded, used individually. 这些钥匙不是。When two or three are, when two or three agree about anything, then it shall be given to them. Because 无论在哪里有两三个人奉，只要有两三个人同心合意的求什么，就会赐就给他们成全。Now here's something very important to understand about that word agree. 那啊，这个同心合意求什么？我们这个要要解释一下。Because as someone has said. It's not that you can. I can get with honesty. Okay, do you agree about that? Yeah, I, I also agree. So okay, now we know God has to do whatever we want because we agree, and it's written. No, that's not the idea. 那同心合意的意思不是说是我跟我的弟兄说，你是否同意这件事情？我们就向主求，那这件事情就一定成全。The word agree here is the word that from where we have the word symphony. 那这个同心合意在这个原文里面就是交响乐，就是交响的这个。So if we would use a verb to describe this, the Lord Jesus is saying, where two or three are being synchronized together about every anything that they may ask, it shall be given by my Father. 那如果两三位就像交响乐一样交响在一起和谐的话，这个呃父神就让就就就就让他们成全。Have you ever seen 
the symphonic orchestra? Symphonic? Is that how it goes? It's beautiful, isn't it? But how can that possibly work? You have an excellent violinist, an excellent pianist, an excellent... If I'm playing my best violin that I can ever play, and the guy next to me is playing the best flute he can ever play, all you're going to get is a huge musical mess, to put it mildly. What is the key for two or three to be symphonized together? We have a heavenly conductor. He is the one that is giving all the directions. And all we do is to just stare at him and follow his together. We follow his direction. There is no other way for us, different as we are, to ever be symphonized together, except we are all following our heavenly conductor. Do you see how he's how he is going to build his church? As we are symphonized together, not alone, together under his leading, then the keys are going to be used. Then what's impossible for me and for you will be bound and loosed using those keys. But here's my question, brothers and sisters. And I understand that we are we have a variety of spiritual levels and maturities here. Some of you were just baptized today. Praise the Lord for that. Maybe some of you have been following the Lord for a year or two. Thank the Lord for that. But I have a question in my heart. That is, and I have in mind those of you that have been walking with the Lord, perhaps for more time. Those of you that somehow have seen something of what our Lord is after. Perhaps you've seen that He is after that house of prayer for all nations. That in Christ there is no Jew and no Greek. He is all young. My question to you and to myself is this. Where is that core of saints that are coming before the Lord Jesus, before the heavenly conductor, and allowing him to symphonize us together after what he's seeking? Where is that core that together is going to we not alone? It's not enough me in my house, you in your house, that we come together before him. 
and we use the keys that he has given us. I don't know what you think, how you're touched about the prophecy in Isaiah 62. Have you realized what the Lord is telling his people there? He has set watchmen over Jerusalem. We know that in a sense, Jerusalem and the house of God, in a sense they're intermingled. Because the house of God, of course, is in Jerusalem. And both are speaking of the same purpose that the Lord is after, perhaps from different angles. But you see what the Lord is charging the watchman that he set upon the walls of Jerusalem? He says, Do not rest. Don't take a break. Don't stop until he does something. Brothers and sisters, we are talking about corporate prayer. But it's not that type of corporate prayer that we get it for one week, two weeks, you know, we pray together, and then, okay, mission done, let's move to the next thing. There are two things that the Lord says to those watchmen. First, they should not rest. But second, and even more, more amazingly, don't give the Lord rest. Remind Him until He gets what He's after. And my question to you and to me. Where is that core of saints coming together under our heavenly conductor and knocking at his door and not giving him rest until he gets what he is after, the house that he wants to have? Our time is over and I have to wrap it up. I want to close talking about some conditions, or I should say preconditions, for this corporate prayer to happen. The first thing that we need is vision. If we don't see what he is after, how can we ever come together? And never give him rest until he gets what he's after. If we don't see that nothing less than a house of prayer for all nations is what is in his heart, how are we ever going to come together and pray for that? We need vision, brothers and sisters. We need that spirit of revelation of which Paul spoke. Now the second thing is also from that verse in Ephesians chapter 1. Did you realize that Paul just, he doesn't just say the spirit of revelation. 
He prays that the Lord may grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Now, what is wisdom? To put it very simply, once you have that revelation of what he's after, wisdom is what you know what you should do. That's wisdom. See, brothers and sisters, it's not good enough to have this as a doctrine that we understand what the Lord is after. That's the first step, yes. We need to understand what he's after. But after you have the spirit of revelation, you also need a spirit of wisdom to know how to make that revelation a reality. How much we need both the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. The third thing I want to suggest that we need for this corporate prayer, for this using the keys together to have it, is very simple, is fellowship. Again, how can we ever come together? That's the key. It's not an individual thing, once again. It's not me in my house and you in your house. No. That is not the using of the keys that our Lord Jesus speaks about. How can we ever come together and then pray as he wants if we don't even know and are not in that agreement and being symphonized by the Lord? There is much need for fellowship, for us to come together and to understand together what the Lord is after. That's a condition, even before we pray. Otherwise, how can we pray together? Brothers and sisters, when we speak of fellowship, Sometimes I think that we may be a little off track. Sometimes we speak of a time of fellowship as we come together into a room and then, you know, we brainstorm. You put your best ideas on the table, I'll put my best ideas and we knock them off, you know, until someone, you know, gets defeated and someone, okay, okay, that's fellowship. And now we know the direction to follow. In this matter, I'm reminded of Moses in that vision before the burning bush. The Lord is about, it's one of the main, major turning points in history for that man. The, the Lord is going to do something absolutely wonderful. And did you realize what was the condition, the precondition for Moses as he was even to get started on that? Moses. Take off the sandals from your feet. If you know anything about the customs back then, you know that a free man 
had sandals on his feet. A slave never had sandals. It is as if the Lord is saying, Moses, yes, I'm going to use you. But in this matter, it's not what you want. It's not your opinion. It's not your like or dislike. You come to this whole matter as my bond slave. Oh, for fellowship in that spirit. Not that we come with my idea, you come with your ideas, and then we bang our heads for half an hour, one hour, for a spirit of bond slaves of the Lord Jesus coming together and asking, what do you want, Lord? What are you after? I feel that those three things are kind of essential conditions if this corporate prayer will ever happen. And then, by His leading, by His power, we can wield, use those keys. Again, I'm amazed of that picture, the keys. Because the key is something very, very specific. Have you thought about that? It's not that just that you study the key, you look at it, you appreciate it. It doesn't work if that's all we have. A key is meant to be applied to a very specific spot, the keyhole. That's it. If by the grace of the Lord we have that spirit of wisdom and revelation, He'll show us what's exactly that keyhole where we need to apply the key for Him to get what He's after. Brothers and sisters, it's late and I just want to leave you with a last thought. I must confess to you that every Lord's Day, when we partake of the Lord's Table, I'm so comforted. And a lot has to do with your prayers, with your devotion. As we partake of that table, how much comfort. As that table reminds me that my sins were totally forgiven, that I was included in Christ, that I'm a member of you, members of one another, in Him. What comfort is that? The word that comes to my heart is how satisfied I am every time I partake of that table. Now, 
And the question that comes to my heart is this. How about my Lord? Is he satisfied of what he's getting? He is after that house of prayer for all nations. Do you want to know how much, how deeply is this in his heart? For that spiritual house to be a reality, the physical sanctuary of his body had to be destroyed. And because of that, now he's building that spiritual house. That is how much this whole matter is in the heart of our Lord Jesus. And the last question I ask you is he obtaining what he's after, that expression, even in her midst? I would like to suggest that we sing one more time the chorus that we sang at the beginning and we're going to sing it again Lord prepare us to be a sanctuary and after that the time is open for brothers or sisters two or three to lead us in prayer as the Lord moves chorus 135